Hello, and welcome to the Veriditas podcast, where we believe leadership is first and foremost a spiritual path. My name is Dr. Lauren Borden. I'm a professional certified coach, industrial organizational psychologist, and your host. Together, we'll bridge the divide between the practical and the spiritual, the conscious and the unconscious, and mind, body, and spirit, all to support you in deepening your growth so that you can create the impact in the world that only you can have. It's so good to have you here. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking about one of my absolute favorite topics, but like not for the reason that the rest of the world likes this topic, meditation. I am someone who has spent a lot of time meditating and oftentimes with my personal clients, uh, very strongly recommend starting a meditation practice. But again, not because of all of the reasons that you tend to hear in like mindfulness workshops and all of that kind of stuff. Before we dive into that though, I want to talk a little bit about my background with meditation and how I got into it. So I, when I was studying, actually, I guess it even predates graduate school. Even when I was, when I was in college, I was fascinated with the concept of mindfulness, like just purely from an intellectual perspective and researched how mindfulness impacts anxiety and stress through a variable they they call cognitive reactivity, which is basically a variable or kind of a phrase that describes um, people's tendency to, you know, when an event happens, spiral or spin out. It's basically how reactive you are, the degree to which um, various things happening in your life can sort of set you off and off course and like you kind of get lost in your thoughts and lost in brooding. That's cognitive reactivity. And so I did, in fact, find that (laughs) mindfulness and meditation impacted cognitive reactivity. It reduced it and helped people be less stressed. But I did not have a meditation practice. I found it impossible to meditate. I was like, this is the worst thing ever. I would sit down and all my thoughts would get really, really loud and crazy. And I just like couldn't be with it. So I I struggled with it. And I did the thing that honestly, I tend to do all over the place, which is when I'm having a hard time with the actual embodiment of the thing, I will just study it. I will learn everything there is to learn and know about the thing without actually doing it. (laughs) That is often one of the ways that I procrastinate. But anyway, that was when I was like, 27 or something. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. It's I was in college. So I would have been 20 at the time. It was like 20 or 21. And then went to grad school, um, was studying leadership, was studying feedback, uh, all of these different things in organizational psychology. And then my uh, dissertation hit and I had an experience of looking at my dissertation and saying to myself, I will never finish this degree if I don't make somehow make this thing more interesting and enticing for myself. So how do I weave in something that I'm passionate and excited about into this topic? And so I ended up throwing mindfulness and meditation into my dissertation as well. And then I ended up going into organizations and taking a look at how mindfulness buffered or sort of protected against the impacts of having leaders who are not great leaders 
and at some point I'll have to talk about all the findings of all of that because it was a very long study. But again, had this sort of tendency of like learning, 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 was learning, learning, learning so much about mindfulness. And then um, the really tangible thing that happened that shifted my relationship to mindfulness and meditation, right? So it went from me being hyper-focused on, okay, how do I sit down and be disciplined and train my mind and get my mind to quiet down, which is oftentimes the reason that most people, that a lot of people will start meditating. And at the time, I had a dear friend who had gone on a Vipassana meditation retreat and came back and described it as the Iron Man of meditation practices, right? So like all of the mindfulness meditation practices, this was diving in the deep end, all right? Like I know people who have been on a meditation journey for much longer than I have who have never done Vipassana because it's hardcore. It is 10 days of silence. So it's a silent meditation retreat. You go and you literally take a vow of silence. You don't talk. And you're meditating 10 hours a day. Yes, 10. Waking up at four o'clock in the morning, doing your first sitting. You have little breaks throughout the day, but for the most part, you are sitting in meditation. And I heard my friend talking about this experience and something inside of me said, I have to do that. And you have to understand this was terrifying because at the time, I don't think I had meditated for maybe more than 10 minutes at a time without some sort of assistance, like without some sort of guided meditation or something like that. And one of the things to also know that was happening in the background for me was that I was having this experience of being in graduate school, being in the corporate world, doing organizational psychology psychology as a practitioner and as a researcher. And... I was having this experience of looking at all of the career paths that were laid out in front of me and really having this deep sense of knowing that none of them felt right for me. And I couldn't really articulate that. All I can, could say was that I had this experience of feeling like I was on a, I've said this a lot of times to people who I've talked to about this. So if you've heard this, I apologize for the repetition, but it felt like I had fallen asleep on a train that I had boarded years before. And I had just sort of woken up and realized that I was much further than I anticipated and kind of unclear on where I was going and didn't really want to be on the train and didn't really like the direction the train was going in. But I had gotten on this kind of moving conveyor belt of education and career and growth and sort of been told and taught like, hey, you want to be successful? Go get a PhD. Go get an advanced degree. Go learn more than anyone else and you'll be good to go. And my whole body and my whole being was rejecting it. I was feeling anxious. I was feeling depressed. I was um, not into it. (laughs) To put it lightly, I was really starting to ask myself some big questions about what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, which you might say is a little absurd in your fifth year in a master's slash PhD program. You would think at that point you would have figured it out. But I was having this moment of, I thought I knew, and I actually don't know if this is correct. I take a sip of my water. And I often find that when people are in that space, when you're in that space of like something inside of you is brewing and stirring and saying, not this, that that's oftentimes when that divine insight drops in and you'll get these little perhaps breadcrumbs of something else. Like you'll meet a coach or you'll, someone will talk to you about a retreat or you'll like start yoga or just something. There will be some invitation to start questioning the train you're on. And 
in that moment, that's what that was for me. My dear friend was talking about this Vipassana and I had this full body, like, I have to go do that. <laughs> and my brain immediately went like, no, <laughs> you can't meditate for that long. You can't, no, hell no. And yet I had this like, yep, that's what we're doing. So I signed up. When I was there, it was one of the most challenging experiences that I had ex had in my life to date. And I don't mean challenging like the way people experience trauma or any of that, but I mean mentally grueling experiences. You're not sleeping much. You, it's just extremely long sittings where you're, you're sitting still. Your body like doesn't really like sitting that long. You also don't sound like you're sitting in a chair. You're sitting on the floor on like a meditation cushion with an erect spine, you're not moving and your body just starts hurting. Your body will start releasing things. Old pains will start coming up. I also had the experience of like, as I was in these really deep meditations, having like old traumas, old things I hadn't thought about in years, like coming to the surface. It was almost like on one hand, these things were being released for me. You know, we need to have things that are, it's almost like if our psyche is like a pond like there's all this stuff at the bottom and like it's like kicking things up from the bottom of the pond to the top of the pond so that you can look at them and heal them and move them that's an important part of healing and also <laughs> my brain was revolting and didn't want to be there and was like rebelling my ego was literally fighting back and it felt a little bit like it was just throwing things at me to try to get me to move and stop like I, that was, I keep, that's the only way I can describe it is that that's what the resistance felt like. And I had an experience of, you know, the first few days really wanting to stop. Like I really wanted to go home. I um, was like, what in the world have I done? I cannot believe I have almost 10 or like seven days left or eight days left, depending on what day it was. I also, one of the things that often happens when you finally slow down after a life of living after living your life so fast and so achievement oriented from such an achievement oriented place is that in addition to like having all of these things that you've been suppress suppressing come to the surface, you also, it's actually, hold on, that was like a weirdly worded sentence. You basically have this experience of all of the things that you've been ignoring coming to the surface. And that can happen in the form of okay, I'm that old thing I haven't thought about in forever. The, you know, old, the story I've been telling myself about this situation, like whatever those kind of narratives are, will get really loud and available for you to look at. And your body will start releasing things. So I actually got really sick. I ended up getting like a uh, cold and like fever. And it was bizarre because it, it literally, it lasted like 24 hours. And it was bad enough. And I was like, do I need to go home? And I was like, you know, I think this is, there's something else happening here. I'm going to stick it through. So those few, first few days were really, really tough. And then on day three, I had this, this really, this just this crazy, you can't make this shit up. But I woke up in the morning and I'm like schlepping over to the meditation space. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to give it my best. And, but I was really demoralized by day three. And um, I, I open my door and I walk out into the hallway and I see this woman who had, uh, she was a few doors down from me and she was pulling bedding into giant black garbage bags and pulling them out into the hallway. She also had these welts all over her face. I'm sorry, I'm not laughing at her. It was horrible and she felt so terrible. I, I cannot imagine what it would have felt like 
to be at a meditation, a grueling meditation retreat and having that happen. And I'm like watching her pull things out. And I suddenly know in the core of my being that there are bed bugs in our dorm. We had a bed bug scare in, um, not even scare. We had a bed bug experience when I was in college. And so I knew, I knew what the signs were. I knew what the bites looked like. I knew how to handle them. And that one of the things that you immediately do is you put everything in big black garbage bags. And I was like, oh my God. My rest at that point had been so precious to me because it was the only time where I didn't have to be like focusing on my breathing and like fighting through this resistance. I could just go and I could like lay in bed and sleep. You're not even getting that much sleep. And I'm like, there are bed bugs? (laughs) Like what? So I go and I talk to, there was only one person who you could speak to. And that was like the woman's, women's teacher. So they, they have different dorms. They have a women's dorm and a men's dorm. And there's one person who's responsible for like taking care of you. If you are sick or injured, or you have questions or anything like that, like you can go and ask this one person. And so I go and I find her and I say, I was like, are there bed bugs? And she kind of (laughs) nods. And I I said, my car was there. And I I said, can I go sleep in my car? I don't want to sleep in the dorm. She goes, no, you cannot. I was like, can I sleep in the yard? She goes, no, you cannot. And I was, at the time, I was like so pissed. I was like, are you telling me that I have to stay in a dorm that is filled with bed bugs? And as a side note, by the way, the Vipassana Association is usually wonderful and incredibly hygienic and so service oriented. Like they are the most beautiful community. It it is, I cannot say enough good things. And this was an experience where we happened to be, they happened to be um, contracting out at a campsite that slash retreat center that they did not own and that was new for them. And they didn't know about the bed bug situation. This was unusual. It was like a lightning strike and here we were. And this woman is looking me in the eye and saying, you just have, basically, she didn't say this directly, but in, in short, the message I was getting from the universe was you have to sit and be with this. And that to me was felt, I, that was my limit. Like I had found, I was like, I have, my body is hurting. I'm like reliving my trauma. I'm so tired. I can't get my brain to calm down. I feel like I'm doing this whole meditation thing wrong. And now you are telling me that I can't even sleep properly at night because I'm going to have bed bugs crawling all over me. That's where we're at. This is, this is what it is. And I, they announced it, right. They ended up announcing it to the women and they said like, Hey, you can leave if you want, like, that's okay. Like you can go home, but if you stay, you have to stay in the dorm. And if you stay, you have to be all in. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I gather myself and I go outside, nature grounds me. I go on this walk and I'm walking around and my brain is going and I'm like thinking, I'm like, okay, is there a way I can avoid the bed bugs? And I can't think of any way of avoiding the bed bugs. Every single way has been blocked off to me. And I'm like, all right, I'm like fighting, kind of arguing with the situation. And then I'm thinking about the consequences of the situation. I'm like, all right, I'm going to like bring home bed bugs. I'm like, I'm going to have to go to a laundromat on my way home because that's what you do when you have bed bugs. You have to like put everything in these high heat dryers to kill kill the bed bugs and not bring them wherever you're going. I'm like, do I need to like light all my shit on fire? Like, what do I, I'm thinking about all the things that I need to do to make sure that this doesn't like follow me home. I'm panicking. I'm like freaking out and I'm doing the thing that I do where I analyze. And then suddenly as I'm walking, all of my thoughts just came to this screeching halt And I suddenly had this lightning bolt of realization. This is 
the thing that I do everywhere with every and granted this was a very extreme felt like a very extreme situation and that was new but the experience of having something bad or challenging happen and then I spin off and I'm trying to analyze it or fight with it or argue my way out of it like if I had a challenge at work or something I'd like sit with it and brood and obsess and try to figure out a plan except not really figure out a plan like you're sort of faking yourself into thinking you're coming up with a plan but it's really just tormenting you like that thing that I would do where I would overanalyze and then I'd spin and then I get stuck and I'd obsess and it would prevent me from being present I was like I do that everywhere I do that in my romantic relationships I do that in my schooling I do that in my job when stuff happens that I feel like is catastrophic or whatever. I mean, and I know none of these things are catastrophic, but like challenges when they come up, I will sit and I'll obsess. And I mean, fill in the blank, I, family, like every category. This is something like, cause there's that saying, what you do in one place, you do everywhere. And I could see the tendrils of this way of being that were just reaching outward and sort of weaving it their way through my life. And suddenly I could see very clearly how much that was ruining for me, how much that was robbing me of, how much joy, how much presence, how much calmness and peace. And I slowed down and I had this realization. I was like, if I can move through this, if I can be present through this experience, if I can slow down, if I can show up anyway and maintain my center and be willing to show up and be present and find the gift and beauty in this experience, like, what will that do to my life? I feel like everything will shift. It felt, I cannot overstate how much in that moment it felt like I could see the gift, these, the, the, the beauty in this absurd situation. It was like, oh, I needed this sort of experience to support me in getting this message in which was really a lesson of surrender it was a lesson of being with learning to be with hard stuff learning to trust that there's a gift in it learning to breathe use our breath to guide us through hard stuff and it was like this little incubator or sort of simulation I mean you know there are so many worse things I realize there's so many worse things that can happen to a human being but it was like this contained experience almost like I had walked into this experience and it was, it felt like it had been designed to give me this lesson of like softening in and being present. And I remembered this thing that the teacher a couple of days before I was like, this is so hard. <laughs> I had sat down with the meditation teacher and I was like, I'm having a really hard time. And she had said to me, she said, Lauren, she said, meditation has a way of giving you exactly what you need at, at any given moment. If you are getting resistance, if you are getting, if your brain is loud, if you're experiencing pain, there is a gift in that. That is exactly what you need. Trust that it's exactly what you need. And then she kind of paused and she goes, and that's true of life too. And I was able to see in that moment, I was like, oh, this is actually like, if I can find my center in this space, if I can find my calm and my peace, and I can just, if, if this experience of being at this retreat center is nothing more than me sitting and learning to be connected to my breath as this kind of chaotic, like low key, hilarious system or situation unfolds, then I will have learned a valuable lesson. And so I kept showing up and remember 
like a couple of minutes after I had that realization, the bell rang and they, it was like, okay, time to do our long sitting. And that's I I don't remember what it's called. Actually. I should have found this before I sat down. I didn't actually know that this is what I was going to talk about, but it's, it's called strong. I believe it's called strong practice. And it's when you sit for one full hour uninterrupted and you are not you are supposed to stay as still as possible. You do not move one muscle. You could have mosquitoes eating you. If your hips start hurting, if your body starts telling you you need to change position, you don't. You stay. And if you have pain come up, you sit and you meditate on the pain. And you you focus on the pain and you stay present with, with yourself through the pain. And if you can hear this, you can probably hear how valuable this is like in life, right? Being able to develop this skill. And so I'm like, I go, and at this point, I am fully surrendered, okay? I'm like, this is just, if this is what it's going to be, then this is what it's going to be. I'm releasing the need to have this experience be perfect, and I just showed up. And when I showed up, I, I sat down in meditation, and I had, bar none, the most powerful meditation I have ever had in my life. Like, and I, this, that was, this was, uh like seven years ago, the story that I'm telling you. And to date, it was still the most, and not that the, it's not like the, uh, only the transcendental, like, woo, I'm out of body experiences are amazing. Like there, there's also beauty in the ones that aren't that way. But this one was like, I had a full out of body experience. I felt my body evaporate. I like became one with the universe. I started feeling the vibrations of things. And it was, I, I literally left the meditation hall looking at the world completely differently. And it was simply because I was willing to surrender to the beauty of every single moment of every single piece of that experience, whether I was getting eaten alive by bedbugs or whether I was becoming one with the divine. I, in that moment, was willing to relate to every single part of that experience as divine and to just allow myself to be present in the moment. And that was it. And that is when the floor opened up and I was like pulled in through a portal and I was like whoa (laughs) and I have continued to come back to that lesson over and over and over in my life where no matter what is happening no matter what is happening even if like let's say even if I'm like okay maybe there was no point to the bed bugs that's that's possible. It could have just been, that could have been, I don't actually, I don't believe in coincidences, but let's say hypothetically that it was just a total coincidence. And my brain chose to make meaning in the alignment of all of these different factors. That way of relating to the world that life gives you every single thing that you need in any given moment that you have everything you need, that there is a lesson present in the moment that allowed me to move through that situation so much more gracefully and with so much more peace and with so much more gratitude and openness and less resistance. Like that retreat could have been, I could have, I could have left. I could have talked about how horrible the experience was. I could have never meditated again, but then I would have never experienced the gifts that were available there. Or I could have moved through it with the way that the gift that I received in that moment, which is every single thing is divine and is perfect. And my job is just to breathe and be present and be open to the gift that is available in every single moment. 
And that is also our job in our lives. It's our only job. Sometimes we make it so fucking complicated. And that retreat completely changed everything for me. The things that I received in the days that followed, and by the way, the rest of it wasn't all like butterflies and gumdrops. I certainly had other sittings that were really hard and that hurt and that were painful. But the things that I got in that retreat were, number one, it gave me the space to slow down enough to start to question the path I was on, to allow space for me to, it was sort of like almost just getting off of the train just for a minute. And slowing down just enough to say like, wait, hold on, and actually hear myself. And the power of that retreat was that it was the first time that I could actually hear myself. And the things that I heard, in addition to pain and things I had been carrying that were just with me for my whole life, I also realized that I wanted to be a coach. Like it just dropped in. Like I actually, in a meditation, saw myself coaching and saw myself working in this field And this was before I really knew I wanted to be a coach. This was before I even thought it was possible to be a coach. I thought that, you know, at that point I was really operating from the assumption that I was going to need to grow to the wise old age of whatever and buy and sell multiple companies and go work for some big fancy schmancy corporation. And then I would have the credibility to go out into the world and coach. And then people would take me seriously. And then I could go make a difference in the world. And the download and insight that I got on this retreat was like, no bitch, you're not doing this, this, and this before you do that. You're doing it now, Uh, which was a really frightening realization, but it was also more clarity than I had ever given myself. It was the first time in my life that I could hear my own voice. And that was absolutely priceless. And that has actually stayed with me since then. I have done two other, two other, one other, how many, I think I've done two other Vipassanas since then. It's been like seven years, roughly every couple of years I'll go COVID through my, my rhythm a little bit. And they're always profound and transformative. Always. They always change a lot for me. Um, whenever I go, it's, I enter into a pretty big healing vortex and shed a lot and release a lot and end up stepping into a much more power, not more powerful, but I kind of quantum leap after those experiences. And it's one of the reasons why I I haven't moved into this phase in my coaching, but I have seriously thought about actually requiring meditation for my clients. And the reason for that, I'm going to speak more about this in my next episode, but it's not because, you know, I, all, you know, it's not because of all of the things that you tend to hear in the self-development community, which is like, it makes you more productive and focused and la la la. No, it's literally so that you can slow down and hear yourself (laughs) because most of us haven't done that before. It's so that you can actually stop and observe what's happening in your mind and realize that you're separate from it. And there are so many other gifts. So if you're curious about that and the gifts of meditation, then stay tuned for the next episode In the meantime, that is my story with Vipassana. That is, you know, Vipassana changed everything for me. And if you are ever thinking about going on a retreat, if there's any part of you that's like, yeah, that sounds like it. (laughs) Most of, I've gone and there have not been bed bugs since. That was an unusual, that was a freak incident. And it's a really, really beautiful experience. So stay tuned 
for the next installment of this episode where we're going to be talking about all of the gifts of meditation and why, 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 why you should think about doing, incorporating meditation into your practice. And hint, 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 it's not to make you more productive. I'm so sick. I'm so bored of that narrative. So bored. So bored. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I, your time is valuable and precious. And I am grateful to you for spending this time with me. Always curious to hear your feedback and I will see you next time.